This is the Byron Bledsoe Podcast, Senior Pastor of C3 Church in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for checking out today's message. We hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. If you had been there in that day, you would have noticed what everybody noticed. The tents scattering the landscape. The little fires as far as the eye could see that had been built. It's evening now and the the children have been put to bed. There's a quietness coming over the landscape. The noise of the day has faded. But around these fires, hundreds, maybe thousands of them, outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem, people are gathering in small crowds and They're all asking the same question. Is he going to show up? Do you think he'll have the courage? Do you think he'll come? It's the Passover season. And everyone in that day wanted to celebrate Passover in the holy city. And so it was not uncommon. The same thing happened every time. You had to know somebody to be able to be inside the walls of the city of Jerusalem and stay with them. So there were tens of thousands outside the walls, just in little makeshift tents, because they knew they would be staying there, but they wanted to be in Jerusalem for Passover. And they're wondering, is he going to show? Because it's been building for three years. For three years, it's been building where it started with just a, a few dozen people, and then it grew to hundreds. And then it grew when he would show up to teach or he would come to a town, there would be thousands that would come. And everybody's heard about it in this, in this little bitty sliver of geography on the globe. So, such a seemingly small and insignificant nation. But in that place, there's this massive following that is developed. When people are, are seeking out the rabbi, not just for his teachings, but for how he would heal people. They, they know that he's walked on water. They heard about that. They know that he turned water to wine. They've heard the story of the time that some friends brought their friend and lowered him through the roof and he was paralyzed and Jesus healed him and said, now walk. And he walked away. They were there and they heard about the crowds and some of them were there themselves where they saw that he healed a man that could not see and now he can see. Or there was the time the 12 year old little girl had died and Jesus visits her in the next day, even though she died the day before the next day, she's playing hopscotch with her friends. There was something unique about him and it's been building and now it's the moment of Passover and the religious leaders, they hate him. So they put a price on his head. They want to take him out. So the question around every fire is, is is he going to show up? Is is he going to come? Will he be here for Passover? We've been celebrating it the same way for 1400 years now. Is he going to show? Because we've been looking for a Messiah and over the last three years, it, it seems like it might be him. And if he does show up, if he does show up with the disciples and they're hanging out together, where will they hide? Will we even know he was here? Because surely with the price on his head, he's going to have to be careful. We pick up the story in the gospel of Mark. It's in what's called the New Testament. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Mark is the second gospel. It means good news in the New Testament. We pick up the story in Mark chapter 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And just as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there. And no one has ever ridden it. Untie it and bring it here. 
And if anyone asks you, why are you doing this? Just say the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here shortly. And so they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. And they untied it. And some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? And they answered just as Jesus had told them to. And the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus, they threw their cloaks over it and he sat on it. Now think about this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. But the story of Easter, what we're celebrating and thinking about today, the story of Easter starts with a carjacking led by Jesus. He says, hey, I need two of you. I need I need two of you to go into town and get me a ride. And you're going to find it there. It's going to be behind a gated community, maybe in a garage. Remember, this colt was tied up. This was somebody's. I need you to get me a ride. So go over there. I need you to get that one. And now it's a colt. It's not a Mustang. It's nothing fancy. Maybe for Jesus, it's a Prius. Maybe Jesus decides to go green. I want you to get the Prius and get in it. And as you drive away, if somebody says, hey, what are you doing? That's not your car. Just say Jesus needs it and then floor it. Because even in a Prius, you can floor it. So it begins in this awkward way. This, this day begins like no other day. And then when they bring him the colt, he gets up on it so that he'll be above the crowds as he rides this colt into the city. And Mark says in verse eight, many people spread their cloaks on the road while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. You can just imagine all the fires, all the people, all the little crowds gathered everywhere. Remember, remember crowds? Remember what it used to be like in crowds before what we're walking through right now? Do you remember what a crowd was like? I'm not talking about the crowd that's searching for toilet paper or the crowd that can't find hot dogs or chicken. I'm talking about crowds, gatherings of people. That's what it was. And here comes Jesus riding on his donkey, the one that all been asking, do you think he's going to show up? Do you think he's going to have the courage to come? And here he comes riding on this donkey. And you can almost hear the rush and the sound of sandals coming and gathering as people came and the throngs of crowds on both sides as Jesus is making his way through the people and they're putting down cloaks and they're putting down palm branches. Now, why would they put down palm branches? Jerusalem is 3000 feet above sea level. Why? Palm branches. Well, remember, they knew they were coming for the Passover. They wanted to be in the city of Jerusalem, but they weren't going to be staying outside. They were going to have to make their own makeshift tents. And and so along their journey, they would cut down these branches and palm branches are light. They're easy to drag. And you know this, just like you, they probably all watch Survivor or Naked and Afraid, but we don't talk about that at church. But they, they saw the shows. Hey, you grab palm branches. You can make something. It's light to carry, and it's going to drain the water. So that's what they had. So they bring part of their lodging to lay down for him to ride on this colt over it. And they're shouting and chanting, and someone shouts Hosanna, and someone else says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Because if you come in the name of someone, you come with their authority. You come with their power, you come with their ability and capacity. And the crowd begins to chant that, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then someone else shouts, maybe from the other side, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. And that statement, that statement speaks volumes because it's been over a thousand years since the children of Israel have lived in freedom. They've been oppressed and under the rule of some other king, the Assyrians, the Persians, 
the Greeks, now the Romans, the Egyptians years, hundreds of years ago. It's been over a thousand years since they've experienced freedom. And when they did, it was under the house of David. So blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now that word, Hosanna, has a very unique meaning. It's actually two words put together. The word Hosanna literally means the two words to save or to help and now or please. So when they say Hosanna and they're shouting and chanting Hosanna, they're literally chanting save now, save now, save now, help now, bring your kingdom now, come with your power now, come in authority now. You're from God. You're from the house of David. Save us now. That's what the crowd is chanting. And then I love this part in verse 11 where Jesus enters Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts and he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. He goes through the gate of the city and goes into the city and right up to the temple. Why? why? What is he doing? Did he forget there's COVID-19 and we're not meeting together right now? Why is Jesus going to the temple? Jesus approaches. Think about this. This is where the religious leaders are. And they've been wondering the same thing. The crowds have been wondering outside the walls. Will he have the courage to show up? And if he does, where where will he and the disciples be hiding? Because surely they're going to be careful. They know we've put a price on his head. So in that climate, Jesus, with the atmosphere of the chance of Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Save now. Bring your kingdom. Save now. Bring your power. Save now. Rescue us now. Free us now. In that atmosphere, Jesus goes to the temple where the stones and the columns have bouncing off of them the sounds of this chanting of Jesus and who he is. That sound is echoing throughout the temple where the religious leaders are actually staying. And Jesus, look, he went into the temple courts and looked around at everything. But it was already late. and He went out to Bethany with the twelve. Jesus in that atmosphere where they're chanting For him, he's not hiding. No one's hiding. He walks into the temple courts, looks around. It is the most, one of the most audacious moments in all of history to walk into the place of your enemy and look at him as if to say, I'm here. I'll see you tomorrow. No one's hiding. Now, when I think about Easter, There are different crowds that observed what took place. Just like today, as you're listening, there are different crowds as we think about this story. The first crowd, the first crowd is the what do I get out of this crowd? What do I get out of this? This is the crowd of people that says, you know what? I've heard some things about Jesus. I've heard what he's done. I think I want him on my team. I'm pretty sure I want Jesus with me. I want Jesus on my side. He's the one. What do I get out of this? I want him with me. He's got to be on my team. I don't want him against me, but I want some things about him. And the danger with this first crowd is, if that's how you view Jesus, you're going to be frustrated with God. You're going to grow weary in religion because that's that's what religion does. These are the people, hey, I, I, I think I want him with me. I, I want Jesus on my side. We're, we're going to shout Hosanna because we want to be blessed. We want to be saved. We want to be rescued. And so as long as he does something for me, as long as he does what I expect him to do, I, I want that Jesus with me. These are the people that think about faith or really religion 
Like they think about a gym membership. You remember back in January, some people, that they got a gym membership. And they didn't go the first week of January because everybody goes to the gym the first week of January. They decided they'd start the second or third week. And they went about three times that week and a couple times the next week. Then they went a couple of times in February. And, and then maybe in the past, you know, it gets to May and you, you go once or twice because you want that summer body. And then you didn't go or do much in the summer and it gets to September. You go once or twice. Kids are going back to school. Man, I want to get fit before Christmas and Thanksgiving when we eat all that stuff. And, and you come to the end of the year with your gym membership and you went maybe eight or nine times that year. If that's what you do, let me ask you a question. Do you blame the gym for how you look? Do you blame the gym for your health? No, you had the membership. You just didn't take advantage of all the benefits of the membership. You didn't go. It's like people that may may say, hey, I'm going to walk into the lobby of a bank once a week. And I'm going to spend about 30 minutes sitting in that lobby and then I'm going to leave. And I'm going to do that every week and then be frustrated that my savings account doesn't grow. You, You would never think like that. Because it's not about just showing up and being there for the event. It's about doing something with what we say we believe. See, I think one of the things we have to understand about Easter and this first crowd just didn't get it. Jesus did not die on the cross to make you his God. Where he does what you want and the entire existence of Jesus is all about fulfilling your every demand and my every demand. Jesus did not come ultimately to bless you. He came to save you. This is the crowd that says, Hosanna, save now. Do this for me now. Man, I'm, I'm all in right now. Go, Jesus. And maybe it was at a time in your family where there was a crisis. Someone that you love got sick and you began to pray because the Bible says we should pray. And so you thought, OK, I'm going to I'm going I'm to try this whole Jesus thing. I'm going to try faith and I, I, I'm going to see I'm going to see where it leads. It's interesting. Edward Murrow wrote a book called Why Men Hate Church. And you know the number one reason, they surveyed thousands of people. The number one reason why men hate church, very simple, because they've been. I thought that was hilarious. Men hate church because they've been, because think about it. Life is hard enough, and none of us feel like we've arrived. We're not fully the person we want to be, the husband we want to be, the dad we want to be. Ladies, you're not fully the person you want to be, the mom you want to be if you have kids, or the wife you want to be if you're married. We don't have it all figured out. And so often the context of church has been, why would I go sit there and have somebody just beat up on me and tell me how bad I am and how hopeless it is? Why would I put myself in a place where a lot of people look down on me? Because I I, I tried it once. I, I tried this whole faith thing. I tried to dive into it. I tried to pray. I, I, I threw some chants in the direction of Jesus. And you know what I discovered? People still get sick. Divorce still happens. Tumors still grow. Betrayal is still incredibly painful. Why would I waste any more time throwing chance toward a Jesus? That didn't come through for me. And see in in this crowd. And I understand that kind of thinking. But in the crowd that thought like that that day. In the crowd that thinks like this, this today. Jesus is not someone you try. He's someone you surrender to. 
on one day they're chanting, bless my life, save now, help us now, rescue us now, bring your kingdom now, bless my life, save now, help me out, bring your kingdom. And four days later, a crowd is chanting, crucify him, crucify him. Because in a short period of of time, I learned when I was throwing some chance your way, Jesus, and I was looking to you to rescue me and to help me and to to fix my situation. I learned in a very short period of time, oh, that's not going to happen. See, they they thought he was going to set up a kingdom and take over and kick Rome out and he was going to rule and it was going to be a new day. The disciples were jacked. This is the moment we're actually doing this. This is going to happen. And the crowd's chanting, man, these throngs of people are with us. Just because people cheer for you does not mean they're with you. And in a very short time, because he didn't fulfill their agenda, the chant changes from bless my life, save now to crucify him. I've cheered for him before and he didn't come through. That's one crowd that was there. Another crowd that was there was the crowd that thinks they know more than God. I, I know more than God does. I'm smarter than God. Have you thought about this? What did they actually kill Jesus for? Because he was nice to people? Because he healed people? Because he loved people that religious people thought were unlovable? Because he was kind to people? Because everyone was accepted? I mean, what what did they kill Jesus for? This is the guy, Jesus, when he got that Prius and stole it for a moment, he, he put the coexist bumper sticker on the back of the Prius. This is the guy that's nice to everybody. Why did they kill Jesus? It was because of what happened in court. A couple of chapters later, Mark chapter 14, we read these words. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus, and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You've heard the blasphemy. What what do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Whoa, Jesus, you went too far. Then some began to spit at him in the next verse. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fist and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. This is the crowd. Hey, I I know who God is and and that's not God. I've decided what I think God feels about certain things and this stuff I read about Jesus, that's not him. I know enough about God that I can decide what he's like. I I can decide how he thinks. I can decide what's okay with him. I I don't need some Bible or or some Christ follower to tell me about Jesus. I know enough. I've kind of figured this thing out and I know best. I'm I'm smarter than even God. I, I know what Jesus should look like. I know enough about God that I'll decide what Jesus really wants of me and who he really is. Cause see my Jesus, this crowd would say my Jesus, my Jesus doesn't care how I live. He accepts me and is fine with me no matter what. My Jesus doesn't care what relationships I have as long as they're consensual. He doesn't care. My Jesus doesn't care how I navigate my finances. My Jesus doesn't care how I treat other people. My Jesus wouldn't send anybody to hell. My Jesus is going to make sure we're all okay no matter what we do in this life, no matter what we believe, whether we follow him or not. It's all going to work out. I'm smarter than God. I can create my own Jesus. And that was the religious leaders of that day. They, they were part of the crowd. And that's part of the crowd of some people watching today. We pick and choose what we believe about God. But isn't it interesting the things we pick and choose from Scripture that we're okay with are things that we're okay with. Anything that would be convicting, anything we would disagree with, I just just don't believe that. And so we think we're smarter than God and we figured it all out and we we can create Jesus in our image. 
And see, when you live in the second crowd, it leaves you with a sense of a false sense of spirituality. But we tend to forget that it was Jesus who said, you'll know you love me if you obey me, if you obey my teachings. There's another crowd that was there that day. It's it's the crowd. Actually, they're not even in the Bible. We, We know about them because of the context of the story. But there's not a chapter and verse I can point you to. This is the crowd that says, hey, cool story. I'll see you next year. Cool story. I'll see you next year. I'm here basically because it's a holiday. It's the Passover and we come and this is what we do. I'm I'm watching because it's Easter and somebody invited me over. um, And it's somebody that I'm hanging out with because you can't be around people that you haven't been hanging out with or that don't live in your house, shelter in place, do all that stuff. I, I, I'm, I'm hanging out. We're just kind of watching this together and I'm, I'm staying with them during this whole thing. And so I've got to watch this whole Easter thing. Great story. I'll show up next year. Think about it. Jerusalem was over 20 times its normal capacity and size because it was Passover. Thousands, tens of thousands of people in these makeshift tents staying outside the walls of Jerusalem. But there's no riot. Even though they're chanting and shouting, Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Bring your power. Bring your kingdom. Rescue us now. Save now. Even though they're chanting that when he comes into town, when he's on trial where Pilate is, at a maximum, only about 200 people can fit in that space. Where are the masses? They don't show up to convict him or rescue him. They don't show up to argue against him or for him. Jesus will ride into their Passover, carry a cross out of it, rise from the dead three days later, and most people will be completely unaffected and unchanged. It's the third crowd. Cool story. See you next year. See, Jesus will let you come into the holiday and walk out of the holiday the exact same person. And honestly, I think that's one of the scariest things about God. He will allow you, he will allow me to not put ourselves in a place where our life can be changed. He he will allow us to go into the holiday and come out of the holiday completely unchanged. A majority of people came and went in Mark chapter 11 and didn't even make the Bible. These are the people that what happened at Easter makes no impact on their Tuesday. It doesn't affect their marriage in any way. Doesn't change or adapt or elevate how they raise their kids. Doesn't enhance their job. The the whole aspect of Easter and who Jesus is doesn't affect how they view other people in any way. This day in history came and went and didn't change a thing for a majority of people. Are you in that crowd? There's one final crowd. And this is the crowd. It's the smallest crowd. It's the crowd that says, I'm in. I'll follow Jesus. I'm in. Mark chapter 16, verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary. This is the resurrection. Now think about this. Jesus told them three times on the way to Jerusalem before they got the cold, before all that happened. He tells them three times on the way. Hey, we're going to Jerusalem where the religious leaders are. I'm going to hand myself over to them. They're going to kill me. Three days later, I'll get up from the dead. He he tells them what's going to happen. But then when he rose, like on the third day, there's not a crowd outside the tomb counting down 10, 9, 8, 7. Even though he told them, nobody's there. When Jesus arose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, 
out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith. I told you three times just on the way here. And their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he'd risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Think about the resurrection. Everything we believe hinges on this one event. Everything about our faith, not about religion, there are many religions, but everything about the faith of those who follow Jesus, it hangs on the resurrection. And when you think about it, the stone was rolled away for the crowd, not for Christ. I mean, if Jesus can come back from the dead, he can take care of the stone covering the tomb. He walks through the wall when he comes to see the disciples. The the stone that's sealed off the tomb is not a problem for him. It's a problem for us. And so that stone is removed, not so Jesus could come out, but so that we could see in that the tomb is actually empty. And it's been 2000 years. How much more do you need? We can't get his death off the calendar. We still decorate trees and place mangers under them and buy presents for people because of Jesus and the resurrection. He he split time. And every time you look at your phone or open your laptop or turn on your computer, every single time it screams Jesus when you see that we're in 2020. 2020 years to what? To him. And many call him savior. This group after he rises from the dead. This group of about 120 people gathering a month later turns into us today. They turned the world upside down. They were the smallest crowd, but they went all in. Eleven of the disciples, when Jesus is arrested, will run away as cowards. One will come back but deny him three times. But then after the resurrection, after the empty tomb, they're all gladly willing to give their lives. Not for what they believe, but for what they saw. This Jesus, many call him Savior. Others use his name as a swear word. Think about that. What other God do people swear or curse by? It's Jesus. Nobody stubs their toe toe and says Carol Baskin. Nobody does that. You stub your toe and, and you use the name of Jesus. He is the only one that we curse by his name. Some call him Savior. Some curse by his name. But there is power in something that happened 2,020 years ago. What more do you need? All four crowds, all four crowds believe they're good with God. But he's only good with one. And the scariest thing we know about God is that he will let you walk into Easter and walk out. He will let you walk out of Easter the exact same way you walked in. I don't know, maybe you're in a place where You're watching this today. And man, thank you for being with us at C3 today. At C3, every single person matters. And maybe as you're watching, there's sort of a reality setting in, I think for all of us on some level, that we need God. Man, our our world can change in an instant. And we've known that in our lives. We, We know people who've gotten a difficult phone call, and maybe it's you. We know people that have sat in the doctor's office and heard the bad news, and It's been sort of a scattered approach where, oh man, their life changed and their life changed. Right now, all of our lives have changed. And the reality is, 
We need God. We don't need religion. We need to be in the crowd that doesn't just try Jesus for a minute if he chooses to bless me. And if he doesn't, I'm gone. We don't need to be in the crowd that decides I'm smarter than God. I'll decide what I think about Jesus and who he is. We don't need to be in the crowd that just shows up and leaves and nothing changes. Man, I want to be in the crowd. I want you to be in the crowd that decides I'm going to go all in. And maybe today, deep inside, there's a voice that's louder than mine. And it's saying to you, this is what you need. You need a personal relationship with the living God. And before time began, before you were ever born, God knew there would be this moment where you would be sitting right where you are, listening to exactly what you're listening to. And it doesn't even matter who's saying it, because really, it's just God speaking to you, saying, I love you and I want to know you in a personal way. So this morning or today, if you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer. Just heads bowed, eyes closed. You can pray it out loud or you can pray it in the quietness of your heart. Just say, Jesus, today, I say yes to you. My answer is yes. That's your invitation to accept you as my Savior, saving me from my sin, from my brokenness. I invite you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. 